Welcome to the Nonlinear Library, where we use text-to-speech software to convert the best writing from the rationalist and EA communities into audio. This is, Intro to Brain Like AGI Safety, 9. Takeaways from Neuro 2 Halves, on AGI Motivation, published by Steve Burns on March 23, 2022 on the AI Alignment Forum. Part of the Intro to Brain Like AGI Safety Post Series. 9.1 Post Summary, Table of Contents. Most posts in the series thus far, posts number 2 number 7, have been primarily about neuroscience. Then, starting with the previous post, we've been applying those ideas to better understand brain like AGI safety, as defined in post number 1. In this post, I'll discuss some topics related to the motivations and goals of a brain like AGI. Motivation is of paramount importance for AGI safety. After all, Our prospects are a heck of a lot better if future AGIs are motivated to bring about a wonderful future rich in human flourishing, compared to if they're motivated to kill everyone. To get the former and not the latter, we need to understand how brain-like AGI motivation works, and in particular how to point it in one direction rather than another. This post will cover assorted topics in that area. Table of Contents Section 9.2 argues that the goals and preferences of a brain-like AGI are defined in terms of latent variables in its world model. These can be related to outcomes, actions, or plans, but are not exactly any of those things. Also, the algorithms generally don't distinguish between instrumental and final goals. Section 9.3 has a deeper discussion of credit assignment, which I previously introduced with an example back in post number 7, section 7.4. Credit assignment, as I use the term in this series, is a synonym of updates to the thought assessors, and is the process whereby a concept, equals latent variable in the world model can get painted with positive or negative valence, and or start triggering involuntary visceral reactions, in the human case. This type of credit assignment is a key ingredient in how an AGI could wind up wanting to do something. Section 9.4 defines wireheading. An example of wireheading would be if an AGI hacks into itself and sets the reward register in RAM to the maximum possible value. I will argue that brain like AGI will by default have a weak wireheading drive, desire to wirehead, other things equal, but probably not a strong wireheading drive, viewing wireheading as the best possible thing to do, and worth doing at any cost. Section 9.5 spells out an implication of the wireheading discussion above, brain like AGI is generally not trying to maximize its future reward. I give a human example, and then relate it to the concept of observation utility agents in the literature. Section 9.6 argues that, in brain like AGI, the thought assessors mediate a relationship between motivation and neural network interpretability. For example, the assessment this thought plan is likely to lead to eating is simultaneously, one a data point contributing to the interpretability of the thought plan within the learned world model, and, two a signal that we should carry out that thought plan if we're hungry. This point applies to any reinforcement learning system compatible with multidimensional value functions, not just brain-like ones. Ditto for the next bullet point. Section 9.7 describes how we might be able to steer the AGI's motivations in real time and how this steering would impact not just the AGI's immediate actions but also its long-term plans and deep desires. 9.2 The AGI's goals and desires are defined in terms of latent variables, learned concepts, in its world model. Do you like football? Well, football is a learned concept living inside your world model. Learned concepts like that are the only kinds of things that it's possible to like. You cannot like or dislike, nameless pattern and sensory input that you've never conceived of. It's possible that you would find this nameless pattern rewarding, were you to come across it. But you can't like it, because it's not currently part of your world model. That also means, you can't and won't make a goal-oriented plan to induce that nameless pattern. I think this is clear from introspection, 
and I think it's equally clear in our motivation picture, see posts number 6 number 7. There, I use the term thought in a broad sense to include everything in conscious awareness and more, what you're planning, seeing, remembering, understanding, attempting, etc. A thought is what the thought assessors assess, and it is built out of some configuration of the learned latent variables in your generative world model. Why is it important that an AGI's goals are defined in terms of latent variables in its world model? Lots of reasons. It will come up over and over in this and future posts. 9.2.1 Implications for Value Alignment with Humans The above observation is one reason that value alignment between a human and an AGI is an awful mess of a problem. A brain like AGI will have latent variables in its learned world model, while a human has latent variables in their learned world model but they are different world models, and the latent variables in one may have a complex and problematic relationship to the latent variables in the other. For example, the human's latent variables could include things like ghosts that don't really correspond to anything in the real world. For more on this topic, see John Wentworth's post The Pointer's Problem. I won't say much about defining human values in this series, I want to stick to the narrower problem of avoiding catastrophic AGI accidents like human extinction, and I don't think a deep dive into defining human values is necessary for that but defining human values would still a good thing to do, and I'm happy for people to be working on it. See for example 1,2. 9.2.2 preferences are over thoughts, which can relate to outcomes, actions, plans, etc., but are different from all those things. Thought assessors assess and compare thoughts, i.e. configurations of an agent's generative world model. The world model is imperfect, a complete understanding of the world is far too complex to fit in any brain or silicon chip. Thus a thought inevitably involves attending to some things and ignoring others, conceptualizing things in certain ways, matching things to the nearest available category even if it's not a perfect fit, etc. Some implications. You can conceptualize a single sequence of motor actions in many different ways, and it will be more or less appealing depending on how you're thinking about it. Consider the thought I'm gonna go to the gym versus the thought I'm gonna go to the gym to get ripped. C. Brainstem, neocortex, does not equal, base motivations, honorable motivations, for related discussion. Similarly, you can conceptualize a single future state of the world in many different ways, for example by attending to different aspects of it, and it will thereby become more or less appealing. This can lead to circular preferences, I put an example in this footnote. A thought can concern immediate actions, and future actions, and semantic context, and expectations of what will happen while we're doing the thing, and expectations of what will result after we finish doing the thing etc. Thus we can have consequentialist preferences about future states, or deontological preferences about actions, etc. For example, the thought I'm going to go to the store, and then I'll have milk includes action related I'm going to go to the store neurons, and consequence related I'll have milk neurons, the thought assessors and steering subsystem can endorse or reject the thought based on either of those. See consequentialism and corrigibility for more on this topic. None of this is meant to imply that a brain like AGI can't approximate an ideal rational consequentialist utility maximizer. Just that this would be a property of a particular trained model, rather than inherent in the AGI's source code. For example, a brain like AGI can read the sequences, just like a human can, and it can internalize those lessons into a set of learned metacognitive heuristics that catch and correct faulty intuitions and habits of thought that undermine effectiveness, just like a human can and the AGI may in fact want to actually do this for the same reasons that a human might read the sequences, namely to submit to a 30-hour long hazing ritual and thus earn in-group membership namely because it wants to think clearly and accomplish its goals. 9.2.2 Instrumental and final preferences seem to be mixed together. 
there's an intuitive sense in which we have instrumental preferences, things we prefer because they have typically been useful in the past as a means to an end, for example I prefer wearing a watch because it helps me check the time, and final preferences, things we prefer as an end in themselves, for example I like feeling good, and dislike getting mauled by a bear. For example, Spencer Greenberg did a survey where some participants, but not others, described there are beautiful things in the world as a final goal, they cared about there being beautiful things, even if those things were located deep underground where no conscious being would ever see them. Do you agree or disagree? To me, the most interesting thing is that some people will answer, I don't know, I've never thought about that before, hmm, give me a second. I think there's a lesson here. Namely, it seems to me that there is not a distinction between instrumental and final preferences baked deeply into brain algorithms. If you think a thought, and your steering subsystem endorses it as a high-value thought, I think the computation looks the same if it's a high-value thought for instrumental reasons, versus a high-value thought for final reasons. I should clarify, you can do instrumental things without them being an instrumental preference. For example, when I first got a smartphone, I would sometimes take it out of my pocket to check Twitter. At the time, I had no preference for pulling out my cell phone per se. Instead, I was thinking a thought along the lines of, I'm going to pull out my cell phone and then check Twitter. The steering subsystem endorses this as a high-value thought, but only because of the second part of the thought, the part that involves checking Twitter. Then after a while, credit assignment, next section, worked its magic and put a new preference into my brain, a preference for reaching into my pocket and pulling out my cell phone per se. After that, I started pulling out my cell phone without having any idea why. And now it's an instrumental preference. Note. Just because instrumental and final preferences are mixed up in human brains doesn't mean they have to be mixed up in brain-like AGIs. For example, I can vaguely imagine some system for flagging positive valence concepts with some explanation for how they came to be positive valence. In the example above, maybe we could wind up with a dotted line from some innate drive to the Twitter concept, and then another dotted line from the Twitter concept to the reach into my pocket and grab my phone concept. I presume the dotted lines would probably be functionally inert for AGI operations, but it would be great to have them available to help with neural network interpretability. To be clear, I don't know if this could really work as described, I'm just brainstorming. 9.3 credit assignment is how latent variables get painted with valence. 9.3.1 What is credit assignment? I introduced the idea of credit assignment in post number 7, section 7.4, and I suggest rereading that now, so that you have a concrete example in mind. Recall this diagram. As a reminder, the brain has thought assessors, post number 5 and number 6, that work by supervised learning, with the supervisory signals coming from the steering subsystem. Their role is to translate from latent variables, a dot kea concepts, in the world model, paintings, taxes, striving, etc., to parameters that the steering subsystem can understand, arm pain, blood sugar levels, grimacing, etc. For example, when I took a bite of cake in post number 7, a world model concept, myself eating princess dart a cake, got attached to genetically meaningful variables, sweet taste on my tongue, reward, etc. I'm calling that process credit assignment in the sense that the abstract concept of myself eating princess dart a cake gets credit for the sweet taste on my tongue. Kaj Sotala has a kind of poetic description of what I call credit assignment here. Mental representations are, imbued with a context-sensitive effective gloss. I find myself visualizing a fine-tip paintbrush painting positive valence onto my mental concept of Princess Darta. Besides the valence paint, there are various other paint colors associated with other visceral reactions. Credit assignment can work in funny ways. Lisa Feldman Barrett tells a story where one time she went on a date, felt butterflies in her stomach, and thought she had found true love, 
only to discover later that evening that she was coming down with a flu. Likewise, if I'm pleasantly surprised to win a prize, my brain can assign credit to my hard work and skill, or it can assign credit to the fact that I'm wearing my lucky underwear. I said my brain can assign credit instead of I can assign credit just now, because I don't want to imply that this is a voluntary choice that I made. Instead, credit assignment is some dumb algorithm in the brain. Speaking of which. 9.3.2 How does credit assignment work? The short answer. If credit assignment is a dumb algorithm in the brain, exactly what dumb algorithm is it? I think, at least to a first approximation, it's the obvious one. Whatever thought is active right now gets the credit. That's obvious in the sense that the thought assessors are using supervised learning, see post number 4, and this is what supervised learning would do by default. After all, the context inputs to the thought assessors are describing whatever thought is active right now, so if we do a gradient descent update on the error, or something functionally similar to a gradient descent update, this obvious algorithm is what we'll get. 9.3.3 How does credit assignment work? Fine print. I think it's worth investing a bit more time on this topic, because credit assignment is central to AGI safety, after all, it's how a brain like AGI would wind up wanting some things rather than others. So I'll just list out some assorted thoughts about how it works in humans. 1. Credit assignment can have priors that bias what type of concept gets what type of credit. Recall from posts number 4 number 5 that each thought assessor has its own context signals that serve as inputs to its predictive model. Imagine that some specific thought assessor has only context data from the visual cortex, for example. It will be forced to assign credit to the primarily visual pattern stored in that part of the neural architecture, as if it had a 100% confident prior that only the visual cortex's stored patterns could possibly be helpful for the prediction task. Naively, we might think this kind of prior is always a bad idea, the more different context signals that a thought assessor has, the better its predictive models will be, right? Why restrict them? Two reasons. First, a good prior will lead to faster learning. Second, the thought assessors are just one component of a larger system. We shouldn't take for granted that a more predictively accurate thought assessor is necessarily a good thing for the larger system. Here's a famous example of these kinds of priors in psychology. Rats can easily learn to freeze in response to a sound that precedes an electric shock, and rats can easily learn to feel nauseous in response to a taste that precedes about a vomiting. But not vice versa. This might reflect, for example, a brain architectural design feature wherein the nausea-predicting thought assessor has taste-related context, for example from the insular cortex, but not audiovisual-related context, for example from the temporal lobe, and vice versa for the freeze-predicting thought assessor. More on the nausea example shortly. 2. Credit assignment is very sensitive to timing. Above I suggested whatever thought is active right now gets the credit. But I didn't say what right now means. Example, suppose I'm walking down the street thinking about the TV show that I watched last night. Suddenly I have a sharp pain on my back, somebody punched me. Two things happen in my brain, almost immediately. My thoughts and attention turn to this new pain in my back, possibly including some generative model of its causes. My brain does the credit assignment thing, where some concepts in my world model gets viscerally associated with this new pain sensation. The trick is, we want, A, to happen before, B, Otherwise, I'll wind up with a visceral anticipation of back pain whenever I think about that TV show that I watched last night. I do in fact think that the brain is able to ensure that, A, happens before, B, at least by and large. I might get a bit of a spurious association with the TV show. 3. And timing can interact with priors too. Conditioned taste aversion, CTA, is a phenomenon where, if I get nauseous right now, it causes an aversion to whatever tastes I was exposed to a few hours earlier 
not a few seconds earlier, not a few days earlier, just a few hours earlier. I alluded to CTA above, but not its timing aspect. The evolutionary reason for this is straightforward. A few hours is presumably how long it typically takes for a toxic food to induce nausea. But how does it work mechanistically? The insular cortex is the home of neurons that form a generative model of taste sensory inputs. According to a molecular mechanism underlying gustatory memory trace for an association in insular cortex by Adekin and Rosenblum, 2015, these neurons have molecular mechanisms that put them in a special flag state for the subsequent several hours after they fire. Then the rule I suggested above, whatever thought is active right now gets the credit, needs to be modified too, whatever neurons are in that special flag state right now get the credit. 4. Credit assignment has a finder's keeper's characteristic. Once you have a way to accurately predict some set of supervisory signals, it makes the corresponding error signal go away, so we stop assigning more credit in those situations. So I think the first good predictive model that our brain comes across, gets to stick around by default. I think this is related to blocking in behaviorist psychology. 5. The thought generator doesn't have direct voluntary control over credit assignment, but it probably has at least some ability to manipulate it. There's a sense in which the thought generator and thought assessors are in an adversarial relationship, i.e. working across purposes. In particular, they are trained to optimize different signals. For example, one time my boss yelled at me, and I very much didn't want to start crying, but my thought assessors assessed that it was an appropriate time to cry, and so I did. Given that adversarial relationship, I have a strong presumption that the thought generator is not set up to have direct, voluntary, control over credit assignment. This also seems to match introspection. On the other hand, no direct voluntary control is quite different from no control at all. Again, I don't have direct voluntary control over crying, but I can nevertheless summon tears, at least a little bit, via the roundabout strategy of imagining baby kittens shivering in the cold rain, post number 6, section 6.3.3. So, suppose I currently hate X, but I want to will myself to really like X it seems to me that this task is not straightforward, but also that it's not impossible. It may take some self-reflective skill, mindfulness, planning, and so on, but if the thought generator thinks just the right thoughts at the right time, it can probably pull it off. And an AGI might have an easier time than a human. After all, unlike in humans, an AGI may be able to literally hack into its own thought assessor, and change the settings however it likes. And that nicely transitions us to the next topic. 9.4 Wireheading, Possible but Not Inevitable 9.4.1 What is Wireheading? The concept of wireheading gets its name from the idea of sticking a wire into a certain part of your brain, and running current through it. If you do it right, it could directly elicit ecstatic pleasure, deep satisfaction, or other nice feelings, depending on the exact part of the brain that the wire is in. Wireheading can be a much easier way to elicit those nice feelings, compared to, you know, finding true love, cooking the perfect souffle, winning the praise of your childhood hero, and the like. In the classic, nightmare-inducing, wireheading experiment, see brain stimulation reward, a wire in a rat's brain is activated when the rat presses a lever. The rat will press the lever over and over, not stopping to eat or drink or rest, even for 24 hours straight, until eventually collapsing from exhaustion ref. Anyway, the concept of wireheading has been analogized to AI. The idea here is that a reinforcement learning agent is designed to maximize its reward. So, maybe it will hack into its own RAM, and overwrite the reward register, or more precisely, its reward prediction error, RPE, register, to infinity. Next I'll talk about whether that's likely to happen, and then how worried we should be if it does. 9.4.2 Will brain like AGIs want a wirehead? 
Well, first, do humans want a wirehead? I need to distinguish two things. Weak wireheading drive, I want a higher RPE signal in my brain, other things equal. Strong wireheading drive, I want a higher RPE signal in my brain, and I would do anything to get it. In the human case, maybe we can equate a wireheading drive with a desire to feel good, i.e. hedonism. If so, it would suggest that, almost, all humans have a weak wireheading drive but not a strong wireheading drive. We want to feel good, but we generally care at least a little bit about other things too. How do we make sense of that? Well, think of the previous two sections above. For a human to want RPE, first, it needs to have an RPE concept in its world model, and second, credit assignment needs to flag that concept as being good. I'm using the term RPE concept in a broad sense that also would also include a feeling good concept. Given that, and the notes on credit assignment in section 9.3 above, I figure. Avoiding a strong wireheading drive is trivial and automatic, it just requires that credit assignment has, at least once ever, assigned positive valence-related credit to anything other than the RPE, feeling good concept. Avoiding a weak wireheading drive seems quite tricky. Maybe we could minimize it using timing and priors, section 9.3.3 above, but avoiding it altogether would, I presume, require special techniques, I vaguely imagine using some kind of interpretability technique to find the RPE, feeling good concept in the world model, and manually disconnecting it from any thought assessors, or something like that. There's also a possibility that a weak wire header will self-modify into a strong wire header, more on that kind of thing in the next post. 9.4.3 wireheading AGIs would be dangerous, not merely unhelpful. There's an unhelpful intuition that trips up many people. When we imagine a wireheading AGI, we compare it to a human in the midst of an intense recreational drug high. Such a human is certainly not methodically crafting, revising, and executing a brilliant, devious plan to take over the world. While they're high, they're probably just closing their eyes and feeling good, or maybe they're dancing or something, it depends on the drug. So this intuition suggests that wireheading is a capabilities problem, but not a catastrophic accident risk. I think there's a kernel of truth to this intuition, as discussed in posts number 6 number 7, RPE signals guide cognition and planning, so if RPE gets stuck onto a very positive setting, cognition and planning become impossible. But it's wrong to draw the conclusion that wireheading is not a catastrophic accident risk. Consider what happens before the AGI starts wireheading. If it entertains the plan I will wirehead, that thought would presumably get a high value from the steering subsystem. But if it thinks about it a bit more, it would realize that its expectation should be I will wirehead for a while, and then the humans will shut me down and repair the memory leak so that I can't wirehead anymore. Now the plan doesn't sound so great. So the AGI may come up with a better plan, one that involves things like seizing control of its local environment, and or the power grid, and or the whole world, and or building itself a bodyguard AI that does all those things for it while it wireheads, etc. So really, I think wireheading does carry a risk of catastrophic accidents, including even the kinds of human extinction level accident risks that I discussed in post number 1. 9.5 AGIs do not judge plans based on their expected future rewards. This directly follows from the previous section, but I want to elevate it to a top-level heading, as AGIs will try to maximize future rewards is a common claim. If the thought generator proposes a plan, the thought assessors will evaluate its likely consequences according to their current models, and the steering subsystem will endorse or reject the plan largely on that basis. Those current models need not align with expected future rewards. The thought generator's predictive world model can even know about some discrepancy between expected future rewards and the thought assessor's assessment of expected future reward. It doesn't matter. 
the thought assessor's assessments won't automatically correct themselves, and will still continue to determine what plans the AGI will execute. 9.5.1 Human Example Here's a human example. I'll talk about cocaine instead of wireheading. They're not so different, but cocaine is more familiar. True fact, I've never done cocaine. Suppose I think to myself right now maybe I'll do cocaine. Intellectually, I'm confident that if I did cocaine, I would have, um, lots of very intense feelings. But viscerally, imagining myself doing cocaine is mostly neutral. It doesn't make me feel much of anything in particular. So for me right now, my intellectual expectations, of what would happen if I did cocaine, are out of sync with my visceral expectations. Apparently my thought assessors took a look at the thought maybe I'll do cocaine, and collectively shrugged, nothing much going on here. Recall that the thought assessors work by credit assignment, section 9.3 above, and apparently the credit assignment algorithm just doesn't update strongly on hearsay about what cocaine feels like, nor does it update strongly on my reading neuroscience papers about how cocaine binds to dopamine transporters. By contrast, the credit assignment algorithm does update strongly on a direct, first-person experience of intense feelings. And thus, people can get addicted to cocaine after using cocaine, whereas people don't get addicted to cocaine after reading about cocaine. 9.5.2 Relation to Observation Utility Agents For a more theoretical perspective, here is Abram Dembski, sorry for the jargon, if you don't know what AXE is, don't worry, you can still probably get the gist. As a first example, consider the wireheading problem for AXE-like agents in the case of a fixed utility function which we know how to estimate from sense data. As discussed in Daniel Dewey's Learning What to Value and Other Places, if you try to implement this by putting the utility calculation in a box which rewards an AXE-like RL agent, the agent can eventually learn to modify or remove the box, and happily does so if it can get more reward by doing so. This is because the RL agent predicts, and attempts to maximize, reward received. If it understands that it can modify the reward-giving box to get more reward, it will. We can fix this problem by integrating the same reward box with the agent in a better way. Rather than having the RL agent learn what the output of the box will be and plan to maximize the output of the box, we use the box directly to evaluate possible futures, and have the agent plan to maximize that evaluation. Now, if the agent considers modifying the box, it evaluates that future with the current box. The box as currently configured sees no advantage to such tampering. This is called an observation utility maximizer, to contrast it with reinforcement learning. This feels much like a use mentioned distinction. The RL agent is maximizing the function in the utility module, whereas the observation utility agent, OU agent, is maximizing the function in the utility module. Our brain like AGI, despite my constantly calling it RL, is really closer to the observation utility agent paradigm. The thought assessors and steering subsystem work together to evaluate plans, courses of action, just as Abrams box does. However, the brain like AGI has an additional twist that the thought assessors get gradually updated over time by credit assignment, section 9.3 above. Thus we wind up with something vaguely like the following. A utility maximizing agent. Dot plus a process that occasionally updates the utility function, in a way that tends to make it better match a reward function. Note that we don't want the credit assignment process to perfectly converge I.E., to reach a place where the utility function perfectly matches the reward function, or in our terminology, reach a place where the thought assessors never get updated because they evaluate plans in a way that always perfectly matches the steering subsystem. Why don't we want perfect convergence? Because perfect convergence would lead to wireheading. And wireheading is bad and dangerous. Section 9.4.3 above. Yet at the same time, 
we need some amount of convergence, because the reward function is supposed to be sculpting the AGI's goals. Remember, the thought assessors start out random and hence useless. It's a catch-22. I'll return to this topic in the next post. Astute readers may have also noticed another problem. The utility maximizer may try to maintain its goals by sabotaging the credit assignment process. I'll elaborate on that in the next post as well. 9.6 Thought Assessors Help with Interpretability Here, yet again, is that diagram from post number 6. Over somewhere on the top right, there's a little supervised learning module that answers the question, given everything I know, including not only sensory inputs and memories but also the course of action implicit in my current thought, to what extent do I anticipate tasting something sweet? As discussed earlier, post number 6, this thought assessor plays the dual roles of, 1, inducing appropriate homeostatic actions, for example maybe salivating, and, 2, helping the steering subsystem judge whether my current thought is valuable, or whether it's a lousy thought that should be tossed out via a phasic dopamine pause. Now I want to offer a third way to think about the same thing. Way back in post number 3, I mentioned that the steering subsystem is stupid. It has no common sense understanding of the world. The learning subsystem is thinking all these crazy thoughts about paintings and algebra and tax law, and the steering subsystem is sitting there with no clue what's going on. Well, the thought assessors help mitigate that problem. They give the steering subsystem a bunch of clues about what the learning subsystem is thinking about and planning, in a language that the steering subsystem can understand. So this is a bit like neural network interpretability. I'll call this ersatz interpretability. Ersatz is a lovely word that means cheap inferior imitation. I figure that real interpretability should be defined as the power to look in any part of a learn-from-scratch model and really understand what it's doing and why and how. Erzot's interpretability falls far short of that. We get the answer to some discrete number of predetermined questions, for example. Does this thought involve eating, or at least things that have been previously associated with eating? And that's it. But still, better than nothing. ML side of the analogy brain side of the analogy human researcher steering subsystem. See post number 3 trained CONDNET model learning subsystem, see post number 3 by default, from the human's perspective, the trained model is a horribly complicated mess of unlabeled inscrutable operations by default, from the steering subsystem's perspective, the learning subsystem is a horribly complicated mess of unlabeled inscrutable operations ersatz interpretability, the human figures out some clues about what the trained model is doing. Like right now it seems to think there's a curve in the picture thought assessors, the steering subsystem gets some clues about what the learning subsystem is up to, like this thought will probably involve eating, or at least something related to eating real interpretability, the ultimate goal of really understanding what a trained model is doing, why, and how, from top to bottom there's no analogy to that. This idea will be important for later posts. I note that you can do this kind of thing with any actor critic RL agent, whether brain-like or not, by having a multidimensional value function possibly including pseudo-value functions that are only used for monitoring, see here, and comments here. 9.6.1 Tracking which innate drive was ultimately responsible for a high-value plan being high-value. Back in post number 3, I talked about how brains have multiple different innate drives, including a drive to satisfy curiosity, a drive to eat when hungry, a drive to avoid pain, a drive to have high status, and so on. Brain-like AGIs will presumably have multiple drives too. I don't know exactly what those drives will be, but imagine things vaguely like curiosity drive, altruism drive, norm-following drive, do what the human wants me to do drive, etc. More on this in future posts. If these different drives all contribute to total reward, then we can and should have value functions, thought assessors, for the reward contribution of each. As discussed in previous posts, every time the brain like AGI thinks a thought, 
it's thinking it because that thought is more rewarding than alternative thoughts that it could be thinking instead. And thanks to Erzat's interpretability, we can inspect the system and know immediately how the various different innate drives are contributing to the fact that this thought is rewarding. Better yet, this works even if we don't understand what the thought is about, and even if the reward-predicting part of the thought is many steps removed from the direct effects of the innate drives. For example, maybe this thought is rewarding because it's executing a certain metacognitive strategy which has proven instrumentally useful for brainstorming, which in turn has proven instrumentally useful for theorem proving, which in turn has proven instrumentally useful for code debugging, and so on through 10 more links until we get to one of the innate drives. 9.6.2 Is Erzot's interpretability reliable, even for very powerful AGIs? If we have a very powerful AGI, and it spawns a plan, and the Erzot's interpretability system says this plan almost definitely won't lead to violating human norms, can we trust it? Good question. But it turns out to be essentially equivalent to the question of inner alignment, which I'll discuss in the next post. Hold that thought. 9.7 Real-time steering. The steering subsystem can redirect the learning subsystem including its deepest desires and long-term goals, in real time. In Atari playing model-free RL agents, if you change the reward function, the agent's behavior changes very gradually. Whereas a neat feature of our brain like AGI motivation system is that we can immediately change not only the agent's behavior, but even the agent's very long-term plans, and its innermost motivations and desires. The way this works is, as above, section 9.6.1, we can have multiple thought assessors that feed into the reward function. For example, one might assess whether the current thought will lead to satisfying the AGI's curiosity drive, another its altruism drive, etc. The steering subsystem combines these into an aggregate reward. But the function that it uses to do so is a hard-coded, human-legible function. For example it might be as simple as a weighted average. Hence, we can change that steering subsystem function in real-time whenever we want. In the weighted average example, we could change the weights. We saw an example in post number 7. When you're very nauseous, not only does eating a cake become aversive, but even planning to eat a cake becomes mildly aversive. Heck, even the abstract concept of cake becomes mildly aversive. And of course, we've all had those times when we're tired, or sad, or angry, and all of the sudden even our most deeply rooted life goals temporarily lose their appeal. When you're driving a car, it is a critically important safety requirement that when you turn the steering wheel, the wheels respond instantaneously. By the same token, I expect that it will be a critically important safety requirement for humans to be able to change an AGI's deepest desires instantaneously when we press the appropriate button. So I think this is an awesome feature, and I'm happy to have it, even if I'm not 100% sure exactly what to do with it. In a car, you can see where you're going, whereas understanding what the AGI is trying to do at any given moment is much more fraught. Again, as in the previous section, this idea of real-time steering applies to any actor-critic RL algorithm, not just brain-like ones. All it requires is a multidimensional reward, which then trains a multidimensional value function. Here's a plausible human circular preference. You want a prize. Your three options are, A, five lovely plates, B, five lovely plates and ten ugly plates, C, five okay plates. No one has done this exact experiment to my knowledge, but plausibly, based on discussion of a similar situation in Thinking Fast and Slow Chapter 15, this is a circular preference in at least some people. When people see just A and B, they'll pick B because it's more stuff, I can always keep the ugly ones as spares or use them for target practice or whatever. When they see just B and C, they'll pick C because the average quality is higher. When they see just C and A, they'll likewise pick A because the average quality is higher. So what we have is two different preferences. One, I want to have a prettier collection of stuff, not an uglier collection, and, two, 
I want extra free plates. The comparison of B and C or C and A makes, 1, salient, while the comparison of A and B makes, 2, salient. You might be thinking, why make an AGI with human-like faulty intuitions in the first place? Well, we'll try not to, but I bet that at least some human departures from rationality ultimately arise from the fact that predictive world models are big complicated things, and there are only so many ways to efficiently query them, and thus our AGIs will have systematic reasoning errors that we cannot fix at the source code level, but rather need to fix by asking our AGI to read thinking fast and slow or whatever. Things like availability bias, anchoring bias, and hyperbolic discounting might be in this category. To be clear, some foibles of human reasoning are probably less likely to afflict AGIs. To pick one example, if we make a brain like AGI with no innate drive for achieving high status and signaling in-group membership, then it presumably wouldn't have the failure mode discussed in the blog post belief as a tire. I kid. In fact I found the sequences to be an enjoyable read. I think the real story here has various complicating factors that I'm leaving out, including continued credit assignment during memory recall, and other, non-credit assignment, changes to the world model. Why do I say that the thought generator and thought assessor are working across purposes? Here's one way to think of it. 1. The steering system and thought assessors are working together to calculate a certain reward function which, in our ancestors' environment, approximates expected inclusive genetic fitness. 2. The thought generator is searching for thoughts that maximize that function. Now, given that the thought generator is searching for ways to make the reward function return very high values, it follows that the thought generator is also searching for ways to distort the thought assessor calculation such that the reward function stops being a good approximation to expected inclusive genetic fitness. This is an unintended and bad side effect, from the perspective of inclusive genetic fitness, and that problem can be mitigated by making it as difficult as possible for the thought generator to manipulate the settings of the thought assessors. See my post-reward is not enough for some related discussion. The story has a happy ending. I found a different job with a non-abusive boss, and also wound up with a fruitful side interest in understanding high-functioning psychopaths. I'm a bit hesitant to say that the desire to feel good is exactly equivalent to the desire to have a high RPE signal. It might be, I'm just not really sure. See discussion in Superintelligence P. 149. Thanks for listening. To help us out with the nonlinear library or to learn more, please visit nonlinear.org.